What is going on, guys? We are back. Me and Keva here with the basketball episode, and we're going back to the 2000s. We're going to talk about some of the most undervalued players, in our opinion, over that period of time. What's going on, Kev? What's going on, everybody? Good to be back. Hope everyone's staying safe, staying healthy, ready to talk some basketball. So, Kev, why don't you hit us with one of your first five uh, undervalued players of the 2000s? My most underrated guy from the 2000s would definitely be Gilbert Arenas. I feel like at the time he wasn't very underrated, but he also was never, I feel like, you know, gotten the credit he deserved. But Arenas was, I mean, he was good. He obviously, we all know he played for the Washington Wizards. From 2004 and 2007, Arenas actually averaged over 25 points a game every season, which at that time, not a lot of guys were doing. Like nowadays in the NBA, that's, you know, that's nothing crazy. But back in, you know, the early mid-2000s, no one was really night in and night out averaging 25 points a game. And then in 2005 and the 2006 season, he averaged 29 and six for his career high, which is crazy. Like I said, especially at that time in the NBA, I actually remember that season. I remember thinking like, wow, this guy's literally about to take over the NBA. And then a couple injuries happened, a couple off court uh, incidents happened. And, you know, obviously made an early exit out of the NBA, but definitely if not the most underrated, one of the most underrated players of the 2000s, in my opinion. Yeah, but I definitely think he was a little undervalued and, to be honest, like, I feel like he just kind of missed, like, his prime, you know what I mean, with, with right. and, and, and injuries, and he, he really was, you know, the face of the Wizards before John Wall was really there, so I definitely think that that was a good one, but one that I think was a very slept-on player and doesn't get mentioned much throughout the 2000s is Derek Fisher. We don't talk about him that much now because he's obviously coaching and doing his thing differently in the NBA. But Derek Fisher was never flashy. The Lakers never won a finals without him, though. So, like, let's just let that sink in, you know, the three-peat with Shaq and then going back after with Paul Gasol and Kobe, uh, all that. I feel I feel like he was just a very reliable, like, wing shooter when he needed to be. And he facilitated the ball, like, greatly around Kobe and all the other players on the team. I feel like he was never one of those guys that, that night in and night out was dropping crazy amount of points. But you would always hear about the games here and there. Oh, Derek Fisher getting hot, hitting six threes and, and getting 30 points with 10 assists. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So I definitely think that Derek Fisher is a guy that didn't get as much credit because of the stars that he played with. No, that's, that's a good one. I think you hit the nail on the head. He's one of those point guards that, like you said, when, when he needed to put up 30, he very well could. But he didn't really night in and night out. But he didn't have to. Like you said, the stars he played with just allowed him to just play his game and be successful. So I think a lot of the time when we talk about overrated and underrated players, we look at just the, the numbers itself and not the on-court attributes that they bring, which Derek Fisher, in my opinion, is one of the best. I don't want to say role-playing point guards ever, but, you know, like kind of that, like you said, facilitating kind of, kind of like how Arondo was back in, you know, back with the big three Celtics. Like he could put up 30 points when he needed to, but he never needed to. He was his main focus was facilitating and, and making sure he was getting the ball to the scores and stuff like that. So I'll jump in with my second one, and I, I feel like if you know me, I talk about this guy a lot, and that's Brandon Roy. He's another one who, kind of like Gilbert Arenas, had a very early exit. I think he only played like maybe four or five seasons in the NBA, and I think maybe like two full seasons because he had a bunch of injuries. But he's another one who really just like every time I watched him play. It was like he was surprising me yet again, whether it was his shooting, his scoring. I mean, even his defense was pretty good. He was just ruthless. And, and you know, again, he was kind of the face of Portland before Damian Lillard got there, kind of post-Clyde Drexler, you know, era, 
pre Damian Lillard era. And uh, yeah, he, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind if he never got his career ending injuries, he probably would have ended up being one of the best players at his position during his time, probably throughout his whole career. Cause he was just a different breed of, of nasty. That's definitely fair. And, you know, Portland did go through a lot of different transitions before the, you know, they really got to Dame time. I think that that was LaMarcus Aldridge's team a little after that time period as well. So, so they just went through a lot of different phases, never really could get the stars to click together. And that's why, you know, I think we're all appreciating Dame time uh, to the extent that we are right now, because he's kind of doing it on his own. I mean, he, he got CJ McCollum over there, but, but the Trailblazers haven't really been able to build a, a championship contending team. But going to a player who did help bring a team to the finals, Kev, this goes to the graphic that you made uh, last week with, with Dwight and Shaq for the Magic. This guy, I think, played a, a big part in Dwight's uh, Magic getting to the finals, and that's Rashad Lewis. Uh, he made the finals appearance with Dwight in Orlando, like I said. He won the finals in Miami. He balled out as a superstar to Kev, as me and you can remember very vividly. And he could shoot. He can make big-time shots along the perimeter and around uh, mid-range that at that period of time in the NBA, a lot of, like, fours couldn't really make. And he was hitting that consistently. He was very, a very solid defender. And I, I just think that, that Rashad Lewis played his role perfectly. And I think a lot of the players in the NBA at that time recognized him for the, the style and, and the way he played to the extent. But I think players like him now could could resemble um, those of like a Draymond Green in, in the current NBA, where when he's on that team, like, like Draymond is with the Warriors, he plays his role perfectly, knows what he has to do, and does it very well. That's why I have Rashad Lewis as, as one of the undervalued players in the 2000s. No, yeah, that's a good one. And I think a lot of people categorize Rashad Lewis as kind of a 3 and D guy. But, I mean, honestly, he was way more than that. He was very athletic and, and you know, could score the ball several different ways, rebounded. He kind of just did a little bit of everything. Like you said, just played his role right. And obviously, I mean, he's one of those guys that always adjusted. Like when he was on the Supersonics, he was kind of, you know, when Ray Allen left and before KD got there, he was the guy. You know what I mean? He was the one putting up 25 points a game. When he got to the Magic and they went to the finals, he was putting up probably, I don't know, I'd have to look at numbers, but I'd assume probably like 15 and t- like fifteen points and maybe, you know, locking down the other team's best player. So, I mean, he always adjusted his game, but like you said, he always adjusted it in the right way and, and always played it right no matter what team he was on. But to jump into my third player, uh, this is another guy who I think at his time, you know, wasn't as underrated, but I think looking back on it, he is, and that's Deron Williams. And the reason I have Deron Williams in there, because obviously there was, you know, a bunch of good point guards throughout the 2000s, but I feel like Deron Williams, at least for when I was watching basketball, for me was one of the first point guards to really be like, not ball dominant, but pretty much like the guy on his team. And, and that Utah team was good. I mean, they had Carlos Boozer, they had Andre Kurlenko, they had, you know, guys like that. But I think Deron Williams at that time really was kind of the man in Utah. But, you know, he never averaged anything crazy. He was like a 17 to 20 point, you know, a, a night guy. But again, back in, in the mid 2000s, that was, you know, that's like scoring 30 points nowadays. So I think he was a great facilitator. Don't get me wrong. Great point guard. But I think he was very underrated in, you know, what he brought night in and night out. Absolutely. And Deron Williams, I mean, we grew up and just watched him play. He he was one of those guys that I feel like he really made teams work. And Kev, like you said, he had a lot of experience with, with the Nets, the New Jersey Nets, and, and when they first became the Brooklyn Nets. And 
I think that it, it's a little slept on to an extent with that he made the push when, when Pearson and Garnett got traded to the Nets from the Celtics. He was uh, still a part of that core. To, to come in with my next one, I'm going to stay at that, that same position. And I'm going to have to say Chauncey Billups, Kevin. I know you're going to agree with this one because Chauncey played a big role in Melo's early success down in Denver. But he also had that, that success in Detroit. And Kev, I feel like Chauncey Billups was more than just a facilitator, but he wasn't a huge star at the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like in today's NBA, he would be the two to a one-two punch. I feel like that's the best way to put it. But Chauncey was a guaranteed 15 points. Like, he played both ends of the court really well. And and he was an excellent three-point shooter. Like, he was lethal from the three-point line. Uh, I think he was dominant player in Detroit more than with Denver. And I just think that that came with experience. But nothing bad to say about Chauncey in the way he played in the 2000s. No, that's spot on. I actually, he was, he would have been my sixth guy if we, if we did, you know, a list of six, he, he just missed it. But no, you, you were spot on. I agree. I mean, yeah, he was underrated, honestly. And I think the only reason I left him off is just because he's, I've just felt like he wasn't as underrated as the other guys on my list, but still very underrated. I agree. Um, But yeah, like you said, I mean, they don't call him Mr. Big Shot for nothing. You know what I mean? He, he had some clutch shots in his career. Like you said, they won the championship in 04 and, you know, even in even in Denver, he was still putting up numbers. Like you said, he was a little older and his body was, you know, had some wear and tear on it. But he kind of, yeah, like I agree. He kind of started, you know, that kind of mellow engine in Melo's career and kind of turned, you know, not that Melo was ever the guy, but he kind of turned Melo into what he was. I feel like taking him under his wing in Denver and kind of teaching him the ways. And it's funny, too, because uh, a lot of people don't remember, but Melo actually was supposed to get drafted by the Pistons. So he would have played with him on on Detroit too which you know would have been fun to watch because that would have been an even younger Mello playing with an even an even better Chauncey Billups so who knows what would have happened but no I definitely agree definitely one of the most underrated plays of the 2000s 100% and to stay with that Denver team Kevin that that's Kenyon Martin and that's like another guy I feel like he played such like a solid role throughout his career that his name never really got recognized but, you know, at, at the four at the time when Melo was playing the three for Denver, he was just like a guy, you know, you can you could definitely get 12 and 10 out of 12 and 8, like however you want to view it. But he was best with the Nets and Denver. And I, I just feel like he was just like always, I don't know, he was he was just so consistent. If those teams ever got to a championship, Kenyon Martin was a guy that was going to be more of a difference maker in the playoffs because that grit, staying around the basket, just finishing off uh, – a couple of points and getting important rebounds. You know, he, he was definitely a guy that those teams could, could rely on to, to just be there night in and night out. Yeah, that's another good one, Kenyon Martin. I mean, he brought more than just, like you said, like talent to the floor. He brought that grit. He brought that. He was, he was that guy on, you know, New Jersey and on Denver that like no one wanted to mess with. He was like a mixture of Kevin Garnett, Draymond Green, like that kind of grit. You know what I mean? Just like, all right, even if I don't score, I'm going to make sure like you don't come in my paint. You know what I mean? Just stuff like that, which is undervalued in the NBA. I mean, it always has been. I think it always will be because that's a big part of the game, especially back in those times before the rules were a little bit softer and stuff. I mean, guys like Kenyon Martin made careers off of literally just being, you know, gritty. And then if you were a good scorer or whatever else, that was just a benefit, which is in Kenyon Martin's case, which is what it was. But no, I agree. I mean, I think the grit itself was underrated, but I think his, I think his play style and everything was underrated as well. I mean, he was another guy who, 
like we said with uh with Deron Williams, if he needed to put up thirty points a game, he would, but he never really needed to because he had the mellows, he had the you know Deron Williams on his teams and stuff like that. But no, that that's a good one, Steve. That's a sleeper. All right, so these are my last two. So I'll uh I'll start with this guy who I think honestly is one of the most underrated players ever in the NBA, and that's Zach Randolph. Yeah, Zebo. <laughs> a lot of people I feel overlook Randolph just because of the talent of big men we've had in the league throughout history. But what people don't realize is Zach Randolph averaged a double-double for eight straight seasons. I don't know if any big guy in the league, you know, now has done that for even three or four seasons. So to do that for seven seasons is crazy. And he's another one who kind of, I mean, he was he was better than like the Kenya Martins and everything, but he's another guy who really brought that grit and really like, you know, like no one really wanted to play him because he was a very good defender, very good rebounder, and scored pretty much at will anywhere within, you know, 17, 20 feet of the basket. So Zach Randolph, I mean, he was on that Memphis team with like Mike Conley, OJ Mayo, who else that Rudy Gay, like that was a good team. I think they made it like the Western Conference Finals, ended up losing to maybe like the Lakers or the Spurs or something back in like 2000. 10 or 11. That was a good squad. And I mean, him and, and Mike Conley were really the two main guys there at the time. So, I mean, I think what he did definitely goes undervalued. And then my second guy, who is teammates with Gilbert Arenas, another guy who I feel like, you know, you don't hear a lot about is Antoine Jameson. And the reason I put Antoine Jameson on this list is because he was, I guess he was classified as a small forward slash power forward, but I, I really classify him more of a power forward because that's really what I watched him play on Washington. And he, I feel like, you know, he was one of the first forwards to stretch the floor, I guess. I mean, there was, there was always like the Dirk Nowinski's and guys like that, but Antoine Jameson was like the first power forward that could really, he could beat you from three or he could, he was just athletic. So he could, he could be in a million different ways, but he was good at stretching the floor. I mean, he was, uh, again, he was one of the reasons Gilbert Arenas was so good because when you can bury your power forward in the corner to knock down threes, it just leaves open lanes for guys like Gilbert Arenas. And, you know, they had Deshaun Stevenson at the time and Karan Butler and guys like that. So the fact that he was able to do that and, help with that success was very underrated and his numbers if you look at them Steve are very good like he's another guy who averaged for his career like anywhere between 19 and 21 points eight nine rebounds a game you know what I mean like that's that's a good those are good career numbers right there especially for a guy like that who was never the number one on his team because he not that he didn't have the talent to be he just kind of always was with another star so to be able to do that and just fly under the radar like that I think is awesome but I think is also very you know overshadowed and underrated no it definitely is and Kev go back to the Zebo one I really love that pick and I think Zebo with that those seasons are averaging double doubles I think that just screams dominance and like regardless of who he was going up against night in and night out, they knew that he was going to, like, bully them. Like, even Zebo, he, he reminds me a lot of, like, a guy like Paul Millsap. I feel like they play, like, very similar. But, you know, like, Zebo, he just had that look to him. You, know, you, you knew you weren't messing with Zebo. But coming in with my last one, and Kev, Antoine Jameson was a very good one, too. But coming in with my last one, a lot of people can debate this one, but Personally, I think I think that he was very slept on for an early LeBron and just and just in, with many other teams, uh, Milwaukee, another one, just to say. Um, but Mo Williams, you know, I feel like he was really that off the bench shooter, that six man before you know we really saw the likes of Jamal Crawford develop to where they have over uh, you know the the past decade or so, uh, and even even like a little before that because Jamal Crawford was playing at the time. But, you know, uh, Mo Williams, like just just like uh, J.R. Smith was at the time, he was just part of LeBron's posse that he would, you know, follow him around. And that that's not a bad thing. He ended up winning a championship with LeBron late in his career. But, you know, I feel like LeBron valued him as, as like a comfort because he know he can come off the bench and be a consistent shooter. 
when he needed to come and, and take his 10 minutes out of the game. You know what I mean? So I feel like for that second unit, Kev, I, I feel like he, he was a, a very consistent, very reliable person. And I know it, it's hard to, to say like a six man is undervalued, but I just, I just feel like to, to see the steps that we've saw LeBron take, how quick he took them, I feel like it had to do with, with a lot of the guys around him as well. Yeah, that was a good one. I mean, that's definitely someone who I feel like most people wouldn't have on their list, but it definitely was a good pick. And I, I think you're right. I think, obviously, you said he was a good player, but I think the comfort factor for LeBron plays a big role too because throughout history, I mean, think about like all the superstars we've had, Jordan and all those guys. They've all had you know either one, two, or three guys that, throughout their career just like comforted them like obviously Jordan had Pippen now obviously Scottie Pippen was better than Mo Williams but I mean that's that plays a big part in someone's career like the fact that LeBron James who most people talk about being the best ever had faith in Mo Williams and just felt that comfort obviously says something about Mo Williams both on the court and off the court you know what I'm saying I think Um, I think a better comparison with with the whole Jordan thing might be a guy to the likes of Steve Kerr I'm not yeah exactly yeah exactly or yeah Exactly. Or like a guy like, like a Sean Livingston to like a Steph Curry type thing. Obviously, Mo Williams is a better shooter, but something like that where when, when LeBron needed that time off or when uh, I think Eric Snow or Daniel Gibson was the point guard when he was there, needed that time off, Mo Williams would come in and produce as a six man. And I think you're right, Steve. I think a lot of the times people underestimate six men. And I think we don't view them as underrated as much as we should, because even like a guy, like you mentioned, Jamal Crawford and like Lou Williams and guys like that, like these are guys that put up the same numbers is a lot of you know stars in the league and just because they don't just because they're not in the starting five doesn't mean they don't deserve the same credit as someone who is you know what I mean they're putting in the same amount of work scoring the same amount of points having the same effect so that was that was a sleeper I will admit but it was a good one absolutely Kev it was fun to talk some NBA you know we got the that NBA coming back at the end of July uh, so me and Kev are going to talk about some undervalued players throughout the 2010s and we're also going to come in with some overrated over the next couple of weeks So make sure you guys keep tuning in. Check out our website to check out all of our newest articles. Kev has the NBA 2019-2020 season restart out. So if you think that that the season is going to go the same way that Kev does, make sure to check out that article. And we have a bracket surprise coming to you guys very soon for the end of July. And that's all we're going to (laughs) share. Peace out, yo. Peace.